0: Hello, and welcome to the Daily Catholic Catechism Podcast. My name is Dan, and it's a pleasure to have you here. Today is February 21st, and it is the Feast of St. Peter Damian, Doctor of the Church. We will be reading paragraphs 401 through 408 today. We begin in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. After that first sin... The world is virtually inundated by sin. There is Cain's murder of his brother Abel, and the universal corruption which follows in the wake of sin. Likewise, sin frequently manifests itself in the history of Israel, especially as infidelity to the God of the covenant and as transgression of the law of Moses. And even after Christ's atonement, sin raises its head in countless ways among Christians. Scripture and the church's tradition continually recall the presence and universality of sin in man's history. What revelation makes known to us is confirmed by our own experience, for when man looks into his own heart, he finds that he is drawn toward what is wrong and sunk in many evils which cannot come from his good creator. Often refusing to acknowledge God as his source, man has also upset the relationship which should link him to his last end and at the same time he has broken the right order that should reign within himself as well as between himself and other men and all creatures. The consequences of Adam's sin for humanity. All men are implicated in Adam's sin, as St. Paul affirms, by one man's disobedience many, that is, all men, were made sinners. Sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin. And so death spread to all men, because all men sinned. The Apostle contrasts the universality of sin and death with the universality of salvation in Christ. Then, as one man's trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one man's act of righteousness leads to acquittal and life for all men. Following St. Paul, The Church has always taught that the overwhelming misery which oppresses men and their inclination toward evil and death cannot be understood apart from their connection with Adam's sin and the fact that he has transmitted to us a sin with which we are all born afflicted, a sin which is the death of the soul. Because of the certainty of faith, the Church baptizes for the remission of sins even tiny infants. Who have not committed personal sin. How did the sin of Adam become the sin of all his descendants? The whole human race is in Adam, as one body of one man. By this unity of the human race, all men are implicated in Adam's sin, as all are implicated in Christ's justice. Still, the transmission of original sin is a mystery that we cannot fully understand but we do know by revelation that Adam had received original holiness and justice not for himself alone but for all human nature by yielding to the tempter Adam and Eve committed a personal sin but this sin affected the human nature that they would then transmit in a fallen state it is a sin which will be transmitted by the propagation to all mankind that is by the transmission of a human nature deprived of original holiness and justice. And that is why original sin is called sin only in an analogical sense. It is a sin contracted and not committed, a state and not an act. Although it is proper to each individual, original sin does not have the character of a personal fault in any of Adam's descendants. It is a deprivation of original holiness and justice, but human nature has not been totally corrupted. It is wounded in the natural powers proper to it, subject to ignorance, suffering, and the dominion of death, and inclined to sin, an inclination to evil that is called concupiscence. Baptism, by imparting the life of Christ's grace, erases original sin and turns a man back toward God but the consequences for nature weakened and inclined to evil persist in man and summon him to spiritual battle the church's teaching on the transmission of original sin was articulated more precisely in the fifth century especially under the impulse of saint augustine's reflections against pelagianism and in the sixteenth century in opposition to the protestant reformation pelagius held that man could, by the natural power of free will, and without the necessary help of God's grace, lead a morally good life. He thus reduced the influence of Adam's fault to bad example. The first Protestant reformers, on the contrary, taught that original sin had radically perverted man and destroyed his freedom. They identified the sin inherited by each man with the tendency to evil, concupiscentia, which would be insurmountable. The Church pronounced on the meaning of the data of revelation on original sin, especially at the Second Council of Orange five twenty-nine, and at the Council of Trent fifteen forty-six. A Hard Battle The doctrine of original sin, closely connected with that of redemption by Christ, provides lucid discernment of man's situation and activity in the world. By our first parent sin, the devil has acquired a certain domination over man, even though man remains free. Original sin entails captivity under the powers of him who thenceforth had the power of death, that is, the devil. Ignorance of the fact that man has a wounded nature, inclined to evil, gives rise to serious errors in the areas of education, politics, social action, and morals. The consequences of original sin, and of all men's personal sins, put the world as a whole in the sinful condition aptly described in St. John's expression, the sin of the world. This expression can also refer to the negative influence exerted on people by communal situations and social structures that are the fruit of men's sins. Thus ends our reading today of the Catechism of the Catholic Church. The website is dailycatholiccatechism.com and you can email me at dailycatholiccatechism at gmail.com. God bless you all and may these teachings handed down by the Apostles of Christ strengthen your faith and lead you to everlasting life. Amen.